but they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I got baptized at uh, Lake Minnetonka. Uh, I hit a couple backflips. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. My swag was having no swag. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another installment of the Minnesota Sports Podcast here on Thanksgiving Day 2021. Diving into everything Minnesota sports. How's it going? I'm CJ Baumgartner, and we didn't have a podcast yesterday because of the Wolves and the Wild and the Gopher, all, all them playing yesterday just thought it would be better it was either don't do a podcast on thanksgiving or do a podcast yesterday and it just made more sense to wait until those games happen to get some better uh better reaction so without further ado let's dive right into the game of the night and that has to be the minnesota timberwolves taking down the miami heat at the target center last night and it was a back and forth game but the way that they finished capping it off not making good onto the final buzzer but winning by I can't remember what the final uh, deficit was or margin of victory, but it was a lot, and it was a good effort from this Wolves team. Uh, they won by 12, 12. So exactly, you you finish. It's not like it comes down to the final couple shots. You clearly pulled away from a team at the end, and it was great to see. Now I wasn't able to watch the whole game last night, so I was able to kind of catch up through bits and pieces here and there, and also just getting was following along, but just couldn't actually see see the plays happening, but went back and watched a few of the highlights and some takeaways that I have here is number one, Anthony Edwards is a bona fide bad, bad man. He is going to be so good. He's not only face of the franchise level good, but he has the intangibles to be a franchise changing superstar. You've had faces of the franchise before, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was that, Kevin Love was that. And even to say that Carl isn't, but it's to say that, and it's not even anything against Cat or anything against Kevin Love or anything against the people who, you know, had before, but Anthony Edwards is Kevin Garnett levels of, he just takes this franchise to a new level. The way he plays the game, his persona, just everything he does makes you think that this team, that he can take this team to a new level. And Anthony Edwards played 43 minutes last night. He played 43 minutes, scored 33 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, Anthony Edwards and a good defensive effort. He was all over the floor last night. And for good reason, and a big reason why the Minnesota Timberwolves won last night was because of the play of Anthony Edwards. And I know it's up and down. I know Anthony Edwards still hasn't hit that level of consistency yet. But he's only 20 years old. He's only 20 years old, and look at what he's able to do early in his NBA career. I mean, it's it's impressive, and especially when you remember guys like Jarrett Culver, who the Wolves drafted, I believe, third in the draft. He's now just a role player in Memphis. You look at some of the, the picks the Wolves have whiffed on, and everybody said, well, it takes like a year or two for them to get their feet under them. Anthony Edwards showed flashes in year one and is showing the development of those flashes more in year two. I mean, it's... You see the flashes in the pan, and then now these flashes are breaking away. And before you know it, it's just going to be a pure spotlight on this guy in Anthony Edwards. It is just great to see the Wolves have not only Anthony Edwards, a game-changing, franchise-changing player, but to have him still with Carl Anthony Towns. It wasn't a one or the other. It wasn't a we had to get rid of Towns 
and now we're going to use that capital to go get an Anthony Edwards. It's no, these two are together on the same team, and I think they play well off well off of each other extremely, extremely well. And to get a win like this for Carl Anthony Towns, to get the Wolves back to 9-9, nine and nine, this is the first time that they've won four games and five games in a row, which is depressing. First time they've won five games in a row since 2018. And the last time that they've won six games in a row was 2003. I was enjoying a Smucker's Uncrustable Sandwich in the Bertha Hewitt Elementary School because I was in kindergarten during that time. And to see this team go out and break tendencies and to break molds that they haven't broken since Kevin Garnett was taking this team to the Western Conference Finals, I mean... It's great to see, and that's not to say that the Wolves are going to end up there, but it's to say that the Wolves are turning a corner, and we talked about this in previous podcasts, but it looks like that they are turning that corner, and with every win, with every single win that they get, with every single time they they beat a team like Miami at home, I mean, the energy at the Target Center, I, again, I didn't see most of the game live, but to see the energy at the Target Center was just unreal, and it goes to show, and I've been saying this on this program, I said it on previous shows I was on before this, and I'll say it wherever else I get the chance, Minnesota is a great basketball community. The The Target Center, there's no reason the Target Center shouldn't be rocking every night. Wolves fans and Minnesota basketball fans in general would love to flock the Target Center every night and create a great environment. The team just hasn't warranted that. The team has been so bad that nobody's going to spend 50 bucks to go cheer the Wolves getting blown out by 30 to the Sacramento Kings. But now they're not. Now they're beating the Miami Heat at home. A team with Lowry. A team with Jimmy Butler. A team with Tyler Hero. You got the, they have Bam Adebayo. They have these guys. And for them to come out and play well and win... And it was a back-and-forth game. It's not like the Wolves controlled this game from the onset. There were times where the, the Wolves were down at halftime. The Wolves didn't play great in the second quarter, but they turned around and played a great second half. Who would have thought we would have said that? This Wolves team is good. Now, Miami was coming off of a back-to-back, but they were playing Detroit the night before. It's not like they it's not like they were playing the Lakers or the Clippers or or the Warriors and they had to come or the Nets and they had to come play here. They played Detroit, they came over. I'm sorry, that doesn't give you that much credit on a back-to-back, but it's just a great effort by these Timberwolves who now go on the road because that was the thing that we talked about with the Minnesota Timberwolves is how many circle win games do they have on their schedule, and it was looking pretty tough. And when you can pick up a win like this at home against Miami to start it off, it grows your confidence. It says, hey, guys, we can beat any, you know, realist- realistically speaking, they can run with every team in the NBA. They can beat two-thirds of the teams in the NBA on a- any given night. It's just, can they? And do we trust that the Timberwolves are not going to be the Timberwolves? And that is always the biggest thing. Because again, the Timberwolves are 9-9. and And they are right now, if you look at the Western Conference standings, way too early to look. They're tied with the Grizzlies for the 7th seed. And again, the Timberwolves have a tough part of their schedule coming up. We'll, We'll find out what team they really are. But it's a great spot to be in, and it grows your confidence because you beat Miami at home. Now you play Charlotte tomorrow on the road. You should be able to beat Charlotte. They're not that good of a team. Go into Charlotte and win. Now you're above 500. You had 10 wins, and you hit 10 wins about a quarter of the way through the season. And now you play the 76ers on the road and the Pacers at home and the Wizards on the road and the Nets on the road and and then the Hawks at home, Jazz at home. It's a tough stretch. Their next winnable game isn't probably until Cleveland on December 10th. 
that's probably their next winnable game. And even then, some people still don't really have the next circle win team where it should just be a no contest, you're going to win this game. That's not until they play the Thunder in back-to-back games on January 5th and January 7th. And then they play the Rockets and Pelicans and all that. So this is the Wolves' toughest stretch of the season yet. But when you get a win like this against Miami, it just helps your team. All right. And Anthony Edwards has been a big reason because of that. Anthony Edwards is a bad man. The way he attacks the rim, his three points were on. He was distributing the ball, playing hard on defense. I mean, when you can get Anthony Edwards to play like this, um, it is it is phenomenal because it just takes your team to another level. And because it shows you that if you continue to help Anthony Edwards develop, you could be getting this more consistently and not just on you know one night a game. And that's not to say that he's holding back. It's to say that he still has a lot of untapped potential. And if the Wolves can figure that out, Anthony Edwards can be doing this more nights than not. And that just takes the Timberwolves to another level behind their uh, new star player. And number two to point out is good for Carl Anthony Towns to get this win. He didn't have a lot of points on the offensive side of the ball, but but he did play well. He did make a big three. He only made one three, but he made it right at the end to help dagger the Heat. And it's just a big win for Carl Anthony Towns to beat Jimmy Butler. Any, any time the Timberwolves can beat Jimmy Butler, it's a win, and especially a win when you have Carl Anthony Towns still on the roster. It's big for him, and if you're the Wolves, you're trying to convince Carl Anthony Towns to stay, beat Jimmy Butler. Beat Jimmy Butler on your home floor. Show that, hey, we are, you know, the all the things you told us about being soft and that we can't win and all this kind of stuff, well, we're winning now. And it's that kind of message, and those guys have beef. We all know that. And even Edwards had a little scuffle with Butler. And I think that's one of the – I actually think Jimmy Butler was trying to was trying to test him, kind of like he tests the waters on some guys. He's trying to test the waters on if Cat's going to get up in my face. if he And Cat did. And so they got double technical. But it's just everything. This game is chippy. The Heat are a rival because Jimmy Butler is on that team. So it's more just a rivalry with Jimmy Butler. The Heat just happened to be the team he's playing on. But the Wolves also – uh, and I'll get to this in a second here, but the Wolves also have some rivalry games coming up as well, uh, if you want to draw it up that way. But it's just good for Carl Anthony Towns. If you want to convince Cat to stay here, we can beat Jimmy Butler with the talent we have right here, and we still feel like we have room to improve. And basically, it's just stay here because we can win. We can win. And that's the biggest message. Hey, hey Carl, we can win. Anthony Edwards is a stud. We have the players. We feel like, you know, we have a good core of players, I should say. We feel like there's ways we can improve with our role, guys. Stay here. Keep being a part of this. And you know what? It might work. It might not. I mean, Anthony Davis made the playoffs all the time, and he still wanted to leave New Orleans. It depends on if LeBron comes calling or whoever comes calling. So it'll still be it'll still be interesting to uh, develop. But Carlin, wins like these definitely make it easier for Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell if you want to keep him to say, all right, I'm willing to stay here. And the Wolves have a couple rivalry games coming up, and then I'll have one more point to finish on, is that obviously the Miami Heat, then you have the Charlotte Hornets, who drafted Lonzo Ball, and the Wolves, for whoever, everybody who had two brain cells to rub together was like, oh, the Wolves should take uh, the ball guy. And it's like, no, no. I didn't want the Wolves to touch the Ball family. I didn't want the Wolves to do that. I thought Anthony Edwards was a better player anyways. And... I'm being proven right. So I said it on this podcast last year. I said, Anthony Edwards, draft him. 
Don't overthink it. He's the stud. He's the most athletic player. He's got room to grow. And that guy's ceiling is massive, as we talked about before. And then you look at the 76ers with Embiid. That is always going to be a rivalry game. Also with the Wolves rumors about Ben Simmons. How does that work out? So there's another couple rivalry games to watch out for as well. And keep in mind that it'll be the Wolves are playing back-to-backs with playing the Hornets on Friday and the 76ers on Saturday, getting an off day Sunday and then going home to play the Pacers. So it's going to be a nice little three-game stretch where we're going to see how uh, how good this team really is and continuing on through as well. One last Timberwolves point I want to make. Malik Beasley played his best game of the season and a game he desperately needed to play. Malik Beasley had... I believe when it was all said and done with the stats of this game, he had over 20 points, he played a lot of minutes, and he was good on the defensive side of the ball as he usually is, but his shots finally started to go in. And Malik Beasley is a good role player, he's a good 3 and D guy, but he was just having trouble hitting his threes. And in a game where you needed him to step up, in a game where you needed uh, Malik Beasley to come through for you, he did. He played 38 minutes. He got 29 points, 29 points for Malik Beasley. He had a great game yesterday, and a big, big reason why the Timberwolves won this game was because of how well Malik Beasley shot. Because you didn't just have to stop Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell, who also had a good game, by the way. And you had to stop Malik Beasley, and you were not game planning to have to stop Malik Beasley. And that makes you have to change your whole way of approaching the game plan. And it was just another great night for for Beasley and when you look at this when you look at this game I'm trying to find his uh I'm trying to find his numbers for this game specifically but it's again just a great night for him and something that really can help him uh get his confidence back cuz he certainly had that shaken this year but it's it's a good day to be a Timberwolf it's a good day to be a Wolves fan and the Wolves are feeling it and Malik Beasley coming through. Of course, you've had guys like Vanderbilt having good seasons. You had, yeah, just this team feels like it's clicking. Everything a, couple, a few weeks ago felt like it was falling apart. Felt like this roster's flaws were just too much to overcome the talent, or the talent was too much to overcome the flaws. But now it feels like things are clicking. Feels like Finch has figured stuff out. No, obviously it's a long season still. It's only late November. There's still going to be a lot of highs and lows, but the Wolves can play. And we always knew that they could, but like we said at the beginning of the season on this podcast, they need to prove to us that they can. So it's great to see the Timberwolves. I've been talking for 15 minutes here about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I never thought I would do that this season, to waste, you know, wasting half the podcast talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. But here we are. It was great to see them win. It was great. And it was a great game. And hopefully we get more moments like this as the season goes on. And by the end of the season, the Target Center is rocking because – even though the arena isn't as good as some of the other ones around the NBA or even in this town, it's it can still get rocking with the way the Wolves have been playing. And it's because of guys like Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and because of guys like D'Angelo Russell and also guys like Malik Beasley coming through as well. And if the Wolves can unlock some of those role guys, like get more better, get more offensive production out of Beasley, these Wolves can win a lot of games. And again, they ha- I have to see it first. As we've been saying on this podcast, they have to prove it to us before we're going to go out and make bold predictions. But if the Wolves keep on this track record, they'll be there. So we'll just have to we'll just have to see how this develops as the season goes on. All right, now let's move on here to the Minnesota Wild. They played last night. 
uh, they played the Devils three to two, and they, uh, well, three to two in a shootout, but they ended up uh, not. They ended up not having as much of a great game. Uh, they were up two nothing at one point, and then blew a two goal lead in the uh, second half or uh, third period. Excuse me, blew it in the third period. Um, so it wasn't a great night. They lost out on a chance at a point, and it was just a an interesting. Uh, it was just an interesting development, and also according to Michael Russo. Uh, players were stuck on the bus before the shootout win. Uh, so they ended up getting to the rink very, uh, they ended up getting to the rink, um, not as early as they should have. I believe, uh, according to Michael Russo, he said it was, uh, he said it was something like an hour before faceoff. They were just getting onto the ice. So it wasn't a, uh, so it wasn't a great start to the game for the wild. Of course, New Jersey is a decent team in, uh, their own and you know there's like uh devil's coach lindy ruff was asked about the delay to start the game because of course the wild were late he said in his opinion that it was irresponsible referencing the wild being late to the arena now how much of it is traffic and all that kind of stuff being stuck in new jersey but still wolves should, or the the wild should know that a little bit and uh Taking a look here as well, Cam Talbot got 40 saves for his 10th win of the season. Ryan Hartman got his 10th goal. Nico Strum had his first career shorthanded uh, goal. And they finished the road trip 1-1-1. One, one, and, one, and it means that the Wild still have not lost three in a row in the Dean Evison era. And that I think is the biggest thing for the Wild is that no matter how, you know, it doesn't feel like they're having a great stretch right now in their last three games but they've still been able to get points out of it and they've still been able just to keep water in the uh in the central division because right now if you look at the wild and you look at the standings they are and I'm pulling it up here in the central division standings they are in front by 3 points they're 3 points ahead of St. Louis and they got some games coming up against these guys, against the Winnipeg Jets as well. They both have 22 points. The Avs have 21. The Preds have 21. So it is a tight race. It's a four-point separates the top five teams. And everything will get sorted out as the season goes on. But it's still going to be a tight race. And the Wild right now are the ones with the target on their back being up in front of the division. Now, the Wild play Winnipeg tomorrow at 2.30 at the X. So that'll be a good chance to create some separation if you can come away with a win. It's on your home ice. It's against a rival in Winnipeg. And you still really haven't – I know they played Winnipeg once on the home ice already, but you still have to play them. You still have to play Winnipeg uh, – or you still haven't played them – you haven't played Winnipeg since the uh, pre-pandemic season. So there's still a lot of uh, still a lot of rivalry that a lot of fans want to get back, and it's going to be very uh, it's going to be a good game tomorrow at the X in 2:30. But they have to come away with the win. They have to kind of figure some things out, and they have to they haven't they just I'm trying to find the right word to describe it with the Wild. They just have seemed off in these last few games, and all it takes is one good performance and against a rival team to get it back. Maybe it was going on that road trip. That kind of shook them up a little bit because when you look at their uh, Florida road trip they or and New Jersey, they played three great teams. And after beating the Stars 7-2, the Wild fall to the Panthers 5-4 in a crazy ending game. They lose to the Lightning 5-4 in a crazy ending game. That one went in a shootout. You lose to the uh, – or you beat the Devils 
in a shootout. But with – and this is one thing I want to mention about the Florida road trip before we're done talking about the Wild is that what the heck was going on with some of these uh, late-game performances? And by that I mean the Wild had a man advantage in overtime, overtime, and they still weren't able to do anything with it against the Lightning. The Wild came back from, I believe, in, at least in uh, against Tampa, they came back from two goals down in late in the third period. Which is awesome. Again, we love the captain comebacks. We love all that kind of stuff. We love the comeback kids. But at the same time, you can't be relying on coming back to win every game, especially when you're playing teams like the Lightning, when you're playing teams like the Panthers. And if you don't capitalize on every opportunity you get, they are going to make you pay. The, the Wild, they don't score when they have a man advantage in overtime and the, they lose in the shootout. They're going to make you pay. And for the, for the Wild, letting the team get ahead of you by a couple goals late in the third period, better teams are going to make you pay. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. That the, I'm not trying to uh, denounce the comeback kid narrative because I think it's great, and I think that them being able to come back is awesome. But as we've talked about a little bit already this season, it's not always a sustainable win, way to win games, especially when you have some of these better teams in the NHL like the Lightning. And you're not going to be able to win all those games. And you're not going to be able to win a playoff series having to come back all the time. Or at least it's just going to make it very hard and expensing a lot of energy when you need to win multiple playoff series. So, again, the captain comeback, the comeback kids, whatever word you want to use for the Wild is awesome. I love it. Dean Evison's a great coach. They don't quit. And that's something that Wild fans haven't seen from their teams since before Dean Evison got here. These teams would just quit. These teams wouldn't finish till the end. Now they do. But I'm just asking for a little bit more before we get to that point. So instead, we're closing out games are the Wild. And they're not trying to come back and tie it up and go to overtime and cross our fingers and don't lose in a shootout, even though we have a man advantage. All right. With less players on the ice especially in overtime. All right, well, that does it for our wild conversation. We're going to finish off the podcast here talking about the Minnesota Vikings, and I I, I wanted to wait till the end just because this is going to – it's just there's no really great place to start about this with Everson Griffin, who had another episode yesterday or on, uh, should say, Thursday or Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, whatever the right word is for that. He had an episode where he uh, claimed – uh, he called the cops. He claimed that somebody was in his house and he had a gun and he was going to shoot him. And he also posted a picture on social media with him with a gun. And the police were there. Luckily, they were able to talk him down and everybody's all right. And now Ev is getting help he needs, which is great. Everson, get well soon, Everson Griffin. That should be the first message before we talk into football for a second here is it's a serious issue. And the Vikings always knew that with bringing back Everson Griffin, there was always a chance that this could happen. And you don't want it to happen. And the Vikings, the way it made it sound, had a good plan in place to help out with Everson. That was just always the risk. And Everson is a good player. And when you see stuff like this happen, it's just heartbreaking because this guy has a wife, he has family, he has kids. And you just want to make sure that they're safe as well. And then you also just want to make sure that he is getting the resources he's getting the help that he needs because it's a serious issue. And it's something that predates his football career, I believe. Football hasn't helped, but it's something that has predated his football career and probably been expedited or uh, worsened by playing football. But either way, you just hope that he's safe. You hope that he's getting the help he needs, and it sounds like he is. The biggest message is get well soon, Ev. 
and hope your family and hope your wife and kids are all right. And that's the first overall message. But looking into now the football side of things, the Minnesota Vikings are now without four. They're now without all four starting defensive linemen from where they began the season. When you look at, and Everson might not have been the official starter, but I'm going to call him the starter. When you don't have Everson Griffin, when you don't have Daniil Hunter, when you don't have Michael Pierce, when you don't have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson out, when they're all out, Dalvin Tomlinson is out with COVID. When you don't have all four of your starting defensive linemen against a Shanahan offense, even though Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that great of a quarterback, it's still just going to, it's just making it intentionally tougher on, on yourself. And where do the Vikings go from here? Because they are, they are without all of their, they're without all of their, four of their starting defensive linemen. Now, granted, they've gotten some better help from guys like James Lynch. They've gotten some help from, some uh, from Sheldon Richardson, and they've gotten help from other guys as well. But, Guys like Sheldon Richardson were being moved over out of their original spots. And you look at guys like Sheldon Richardson. He was playing defensive end at times. He was moving over the line kind of to fresh guys up and uh, throw new looks at them. And you're going to have to play more vanilla and you're going to have to play more basic, uh, which is going to mean that it's going to be easier for Shanahan to be able to game plan against, to be able to make adjustments against. And it's going to be... A, a tough task for the for the Vikings who are trying to get above 500. This is a key game against San Francisco because the winner of this game potentially gets a big tiebreaker over the other in this final stretch. And if you're the Vikings, you can't afford to lose a game. Being at five and five, there's only about three really winnable games left on the schedule. And if the games where you feel pretty confident knowing they can win, and a few games where they have a chance to win, but you're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So this team is going to need – this team needs to win all three of those games and then pick up one somewhere along the lines and not lose one of those three winnable games. And it's going to make it tougher. Now we'll see how long Pierce is out – or uh, we'll see how long Tomlinson is out. Apparently the Vikings still think Pierce can come back at some point in the season. So if you can get those guys back at some point, but this isn't the time to lose them. Especially – I mean – it's just – it's not the time to lose these guys. There's never a good time to lose Everson Griffin to that. There's never a good time to have anybody get on the COVID list. But they're going to have to figure out a way. And Andre Patterson usually is pretty good at keeping a defensive line together and keeping them on assignment. And Mike Zimmer has been pretty good about that as well because Mike Zimmer has just gotten everything thrown to the wall at him. I mean it is unreal how much Mike Zimmer in his coaching tenure with the Minnesota Vikings has just had literally any – it's Murphy's Law with Mike Zimmer. Anything that can go wrong will – go wrong. Your first season, your star running back is suspended for mo for almost the in for the entire year basically because of uh because of child abuse issues. And then you get to your second season, everything goes pretty well, you win, and then you get to the playoffs and your kicker misses a 27-yard field goal to upset the defending NFC champions. And then you get to the next season where it looks like your team's all coming together and then your starting quarterback rips his knee. And then you get to the next – and then you get through the season. You trade for a guy. You play well. You start 5-0, and and then you crumble. Partially himself included was to blame in that one. But you get to the next season, and that was where everything course corrected. And all of a sudden, Case Keenum was out there playing and winning you 13 games, getting to the Minneapolis Miracle. 
And then you get to the next season where everything just falls apart from there. 2019, it's weird. 2020, it's really weird. And just, you know, even in 2016 with the eye issues with Zimmer, everything has just gotten thrown against the wall for this guy, especially this season with the COVID, uh, with the vaccination talk early in the season. And again, part of it is own making, but at the same time, it was still something that he just had to deal with as the head coach of this football team. And then you look at, uh, you look at throughout the season, you look, at the players starting look like after that Cooper Rush game looked like they were starting to bail out. Dalvin Cook has those issues. Dakota Dozier went to the hospital with COVID and all of these just issues. And Zimmer has been able to keep the ship together for the most part. And it's been and it's really good on him as a leader. But man, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. This is going to be tough at sledding for them. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. The biggest thing to remember is just to get well soon, Ev, and make sure that everything is going well in that department. Um, but the Minnesota Vikings are going to have to overcome that. And the offense is going to have to, they're going to have to lean into the offense even more. They're going to want a chance to win this game. The answer is always more cowbell. The answer is more Justin Jefferson. The best chance you're going to have to win this game, feed your superstars, score a bunch of points. Because even though Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that great of a quarterback, the offensive scheme, they're still able to beat teams like the Rams. They're still able to drop some good plays and get guys in space. So you're still, and with a depleted defense, and depleted front of your defense. You still need to make sure that you're scoring enough points and it's on the road in San Francisco. So it's going to be a better environment to throw the football. Will we'll, it just, it'll be interesting. The Vikings are going to need to lean into that offensive ability if they want to win this game. And again, with Everson Griffin, he always knew it was a risk bringing him back, but just the only thing you can say is to get well soon. And with the Vikings hearing Rick Spielman's press conference yesterday, he was just shaken up. I mean, he was shaking. He, he only spoke for about seven minutes, but you could tell he was, you could tell he was shaken up or you could tell he just was, he didn't, you know, he was just very out of it. I would say, uh, trying to answer things like, you know, he just wasn't focused on that. Like, cause, cause of the Everson Griffin situation, because of just everything going on, you could just tell that it's wearing on people. And, you know, Mike Zimmer talked to the team and Rick Spielman talked to this as well, that the Vikings have mental health resources in place for not just team personnel, but coaching staff, for scouting, for just anybody in that building at TCO. They have great mental health resources for them, which is great. It's awesome. Teams should be investing in that. The Vikings have plans in place, whether it's specifically for Everson Griffin or whether it's just in general. They have plans in place for players when they have mental health issues, if they have mental health lapses. And it or just it doesn't always have to be an incident like Everson Griffin, but it can just be you know, making sure to take care of your mental health, making sure you are in a good place mentally. And having those resources available for all employees is a great thing that the Vikings have. And like Rick Spielman alluded to, if your ownership group doesn't make that as a priority, you're in the wrong spot. And this isn't to, uh, this isn't to, you know, kiss the behind of the Will family, but what it is to say is the Vikings have seen this affect their team and they know that they need to invest in these resources. And, it's just an important thing in this day and age. So to see Spielman talk about that, um, basically, that's really all he could say. Uh, there wasn't much else that he was really allowed to talk about with the ongoing situation. All we know is that Everson Griffin is getting the help he needs, and we just hope that however long it takes that he comes out, and he comes out healthy. And that's how we're going to end the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Have a healthy day as well with you guys. Enjoy your time with friends and family. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys on Monday with a new installment of the Minnesota Sports Podcast.
Catch you then. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.